Go ahead and grab your smartphones, whatever device you're going to need to follow along. And also, of course, everything is going to be projected on the screens behind me. Again, just so thankful that you're here with us today at Word of Life. We are in a series entitled All In. All In. And we are at week three of this four-week series. And today's message is free indeed. To be free indeed. I'm pretty excited about this message. I told that this morning to Marianne at about 5 o'clock, 5.30. I got up a little bit early and did a little bit of snow plowing. And then uh, was home finishing up my studying. And I said, I'm really pretty excited about this message. So I trust that you will be too. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I want to be all in with whatever it is that God wants for my life. I don't care what it is. Wherever, whatever, it's yes with me and God. Do you too? Yeah? Amen? The go-to verse that we've been using here for this series is found in Luke chapter 4, and it says these words beginning in 16, and it says, so he came to Nazareth uh, where he had been brought up, and as the custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he, was, um, and, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable, the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that God the Father has a vision for every single person that would ever be born on this planet. God has a plan for every single person. And Jesus knew that that what he was talking about with this word that was coming from the prophet Isaiah was talking about him. It was who he is. I have been called, he says. He's the one. And what God wants, for us to sum up these these verses that we read, God wants you and me to be saved. He wants you and me and the whole world, not just us, not just us in this room, but the whole world. He wants us to be saved, to be healed, to be set free, and to be empowered. Give me an amen if you would, please. That's God's will for every single human being. Jesus told his disciples that when he sent them out, he says, I want you to do these three things. And this is very important. Jesus would say to them, I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal the sick. And I want you to cast out demons. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal the sick. And I want you to cast out demons. Now, I know that most of us here in this room, you know my July 5th, 1971 story. I know most of us in this room do. And uh, I, I ended up getting saved down in Philadelphia Uh, in a small Roman Catholic church down there in the heart of Philadelphia. And I got saved and I was born again. And God began to do a work in my life that was unprecedented. God changed me from the inside out. 16 years old at that particular time. And one of my life-changing experiences, we're talking today about being free indeed. We're talking about being free indeed. And one of my, in fact, it's this particular time of of my life that uh, God really began to change me from the inside out. And that is um, one, of, one of my life-changing moments was found in 1974, way back in 1974. Marianne and I got married. Now, you're going to hear a story that some of you have heard before, but you hang, have to hang with me because this is extremely important to the message. So Marianne and I got married on November 16th, 1973. And uh, her father was, at that time, he was a part owner of a paper mill company called North, North End Paper company in uh, Fulton, New York. And in the summer of 74, 
I personally, I, I had gotten saved, I fell away from God, and I'm back with God again. Marianne ends up getting saved, and I'm uh, back with my, my faith in God. And at this time in 74, I got to the place where I just, I didn't want to be any longer who I was. I didn't any longer want to be the guy that I was uh, eight years ago, 10 years ago, whatever the, the time frame is. And, uh, but I wanted something to happen in my life that would put me on the path to freedom. I wanted to get away from some of the things I was already doing. Over the years, I've shared a bit of my history before Christ, and many of you know that uh, I got saved, and then I fell away from God. About a year and a half or more, I was completely away from God in, in, in worse sin than I had ever done during that particular time. I don't understand all the reasons why that happens, not just to me, but to so many people, but that's sort of my story. And one of my sinful habits that I had was my tongue. My tongue my tongue was horrible. What I would say and what I would do. My tongue with cursing and swearing and, and it was vile. To say the least, it was vile. It was insulting to whoever would be around me. When I got on my rant, I mean, it was terrible. It, it, was, it, was, it was really, really bad. I would mock people. I would intimidate people with my tongue. You talk about bullying. I mean, that's, that's what this guy was doing. This is what I was doing. It was offensive to say the very least. And I'm telling you today, this event that I'm going to be sharing with you pretty much, pretty much put me on the path of my life being changed. Put me on the path to really find freedom in my life. Freedom from this, the tongue. Freedom from what it is that I'm, I'm doing. And, uh, and as far as I'm, I'm concerned, um, the guy who's up here speaking to you now is not the same guy that I was back then. You know, there was... A time back then that you would never want to meet. And I'm not the least bit, not the least bit interested going any further in that, in that topic. So let me continue on in the story. So it's back in 1974. My father-in-law, his name is Ted. My father-in-law uh, is part owner of this company. He's the guy in charge of the whole thing. And I'm working for him. Marianne and I have just gotten married. And so I'm working with my father-in-law. And uh, we are walking through the building, making sure everything is in order. You know, we're just looking for things and making sure that everything is in order. And as we're walking around the building, I have the gall to be boasting and bragging what Jesus has done in my life to my father-in-law. I'm talking to him about it. And mind you, he has told me a couple of times already, I don't want to hear it, Randy. I, I just don't want to hear it, you know? So I'm walking along with my father-in-law, and, uh, and I'm telling him some of the things that Jesus has done in my life. And my in-laws were not falling for this Jesus thing at all. It, it was just me and, and trying, to, trying to win over my mother and father-in-law. And by the way, they did get won over, and they are in heaven today, and we're grateful for that. But um, as we're walking along, I see this pile. I see this, this pile of papers and trash and dirt right in the middle of the floor. My father-in-law is walking right alongside of me. And as I'm walking through, I sort of feel like I have the responsibility to make sure that this is going to be cleaned up and all this other stuff. And uh, as, as I'm looking at all of this stuff all over the place, I reverted back to my old ways. And as soon as I did that and I saw all of this and my father-in-law standing there with me, I just started swearing and cursing every four-letter word that you can imagine. I mean, I even took my Lord's name in vain at this particular time. The one who had just saved me two years ago. The one who has transformed my life. Over this issue, I'm now taking the Lord's name in vain as well. Who the blank left that blank, blank pile in the middle of the floor, you blank, blank, blank kind of thing, swearing and cursing like a crazy man. It wasn't that big of a deal, but to me, I'm doing something like this. I'm, I'm saying this. And my father-in-law, Ted, he looks at me while I'm going through my rage, 
And he said to me, I left that pile there. I just looked at him like a, tear looking, like a deer looking at headlights. My eyes got big and tears began to fill my eyes and I started to cry. And I ran away from my father-in-law. I began to run away from my father-in-law because I wanted to get to the farthest place away from him that I possibly could. And I found a, a, a little closet and the door was open as I'm in the corner of the paper mill. I'm way back in the corner and it's pitch black in that, in that little closet, but I slammed the door shut and I'm sitting there. Again, it's pitch black, it's dark, and uh, I sat in that closet and I did nothing but cry. I just began to cry. I cried and I cried and I cried. And not only did I realize I was a real jerk to my father-in-law, a real jerk, and, and really blew my Christ, Christian testimony by what I said and what I did. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, the greater, the greater sin was not my father-in-law. The greater sin was what I was doing before my God and what I had done, how I had sinned against God. And through that pile of trash on that particular floor on, uh, on that day, and the reaction uh, to Ted, uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know why I did this, I don't know why I became so upset about this, but um, my reaction to Ted and my reaction to God, I made a decision at that time. I, I, I was thinking through this as I'm wanting to hide and let nobody see me, and uh, I, I began to think that my life needs to change. I don't want to be who I was. I don't want to continue on with my life like that. I need to change. My language needs to change. My tongue needs to change. I want it to be God-honoring. I want my life. I want everything I do to count, to matter. You too, right? I mean, this is not just me. Give me an amen. It's all of us. And today, I have an opportunity now to be able to stand before people that I love so very much with all of my heart, and I am able to tell you that God did something in my life that, that put me on that path to freedom. God did something with that crazy, stupid thing that I did back in 1974, and it put me on, on track to begin to live in freedom. And over 40, after 48 years of following Jesus, 48 years, it's going to be 49 in a, in a couple of months, but uh, after 48 years of following Jesus, he has helped me multiple times. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff in my life that needs to be changed. And you all look so holy right now looking at me like, you wretched man, you. <laughs> but he has helped me multiple times with multiple areas of my life that needed to be free of the bondages that, were, that I had in my life. And I want you to know it's God's will that when we, when we are all in with God, when you are sincere with this, this is not just a, a quick thought all in. This is a reality. When you and I are all in for God, he promises us that if we call on him, he'll be there. And he's the one who's going to be able to set us free. Come on, give me an amen to that. He is the one that can set us free. So, in the summer of 1974, I had come to the place where I didn't want to be who I have been over these last years of my life. And God promises us some things when you and I are serious about that. These are not in your, your scriptures, but I just put these down this morning and I, I want you to know this is what the word of God says. I, what I just said to you is, is that when we're serious about God, he's going to be serious about us. And it says in Isaiah 43, 19, it says, behold, this is what God says, behold, I will do a new thing. 
Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the, in the desert. That's Isaiah 40, 43, 9. Also, this is one of my favorites. I have most of it memorized and have for years. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And this is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. The new has come. All things have become new. And God promises us that. So if you're dealing with something in your life, if you're sort of struggling right now with things of your past or things that you do that you know is not God honoring, if you begin to talk to God about these things, he's going to get you through. He's going to get you through to the other side. He's going to help you to get there. So I assume as we enter into the 2020 year that we have some lofty dreams. Some of us are looking to see our lives change in 2020. I'm excited about 2020. Are you excited about 2020? I really am. I'm excited about 2020. I think great things are going to be in store for the church and for Word of Life Church as well. Um, and I assume as we enter into this year, I, I'm thinking of you. I, I'm thinking of some other some of us who are dealing with things, whatever it is, I, I think I'm 100% right with what I'm going to say to you. That no matter what decisions you make about the year that you're in, about the things that need to change, no matter the willpower that you're going to try to fire up so that you're going to be able to do this and have that thing changed in your life, or all the disciplines and the hard work that you're going to do, I think I'm right by saying this to you. That's not enough. That's not enough. Because there's a missing ingredient when you're looking to just be stronger, smarter, better than what you've ever been before. There's more to it than that. There's a missing ingredient. And the ingredient that's missing is called, this, is called freedom. There's freedom. You and I need to be 100% free from our bondages. Come on, I only had one amen. I'll say it again and then you can do something. You and I need to be 100% free from our bondages. Amen. Because it's not enough. It's not enough that just because we, we know there's a missing agree, uh, uh, ingredient in all of this, I believe, I believe that you need to apply and to pursue God and his word and your life will begin to change. You will begin to experience freedom as you've never experienced before. Take it from me. Take it from me, this old man with this old story that about 100 years ago that took place in my life. We all need freedom, and that's exactly what Jesus is offering every single one of us. He wants you to live in freedom. He doesn't want you to be chained. He doesn't want you to be held back. He wants you to be in freedom. It's not just handing, uh, handing us. Freedom doesn't come to us in a beautiful box with a beautiful bow on the top of it. No, seeking after freedom, it's a process. It's a process, and, and it has many steps. Step number one, step number one, you need Jesus in order to have freedom. Step number one, you need Jesus in order to have freedom. In John chapter 8, verse 31, and it says these words, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. I want you to look at the first, the first uh, seven words that are on that it says these words, to the Jews who had believed him. Those seven words, to the Jews who had believed him. Um, what this, this scripture is telling us here, what Jesus is telling us here, is that these are Jewish believers. Jesus is talking to them about freedom. He's talking to the Jewish, Jewish believers. They believe that Jesus 
is the son of God. They believe that this is God among us. And so they're, they're believing this. And Jesus is talking to them, uh, uh, these people. He's talking to them about this idea that, that, uh, that there is this thing called freedom for each and every one of us. So right here, right now, Jesus is talking to people who believe, just like most of us in this room do. Most of us believe in this room that Jesus truly is the Son of God. But there are, there are, there are people who are also in bondage and oppressions and issues of addictions, just like us. We all have this. We all are dealing with these kind of things. And to those believers, Jesus would say, Jesus would say, um, you believers will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And it is possible to be a believer and live in bondage. It is possible for you and me to be a believer and live in bondage. I shared with you the bondage that I had, my tongue, what I said, and what I did with my father-in-law. We have that, that ability. It's not just for unbelievers. So let me go a little bit further in, in, uh, in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. To the Jews who had, believed in, who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, 32. Then you will know that this is a famous verse. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, is what it says. The truth will set you free. Jesus is making step one of the process crystal clear. If you want freedom, then you need Jesus. If you've got something in your life that needs to change, and you know what it is. All of us know what it is. All of us are frustrated with some of the things that we say or do. If you want, if you want freedom, then you need Jesus. To know Jesus puts you on the path to freedom. Listen, being born again, coming to Christ, being saved, just so you know, that alone, that alone does not com complete the transforming pro process of getting free from your bondage. It's just not gonna be enough. As a born again, 19 year old young believer, I've gotten saved, I began to realize, I realized that that alone, that alone, getting saved does not complete the transforming process. It doesn't do it either. And so you and I need to realize, because listen, I was, I was three years in serving Jesus at this time in 1974. One, of, one and a half of those years, I was falling away. But I'm back again. I'm back, and I want everything that God has in store for my life. And my story was... <coughs> and is on July 5th, 1971, you need to understand, back then, I was even using the cuss words. When I started cussing out that person, whoever, which was my father-in-law, as I started cussing all of that out, I was, I was a believer. I was, I was a follower of Jesus. And I don't even know why I did that. Maybe I did that to impress my father-in-law because he swore a lot. And maybe I was just trying to be cool like he is when he swears. Or maybe, just maybe, and I think it's more of this, this, the latter here. And that is, I was just being the jerk that I've always been. Thank you. <laughs> when you want them, they don't come. When you don't want them, they come. I'm just kidding. You are 100% right. <laughs> that day began, that day, July 5th, 1971, was day one. That for me was day one. That day began the action steps of, of life change where, where I would begin to live in freedom over those things that drag me down, over those things that keep me in sin, those things that keep me down. So on July 5th, 1971 was but one step of many Many steps, many steps that I'm going to be taking in my life. And I still am, my friend. 
still taking many steps because it's a process and you need to dig deep and you need to work hard and you need to be in God's word continuously. Salvation is instantaneous. Salvation is instantaneous, but freedom takes time. It's a process. And some of the Jewish believers got a little bit ticked off with Jesus when he was talking to them about freedom. And he says in John 8, 33, they answered him, these, these believers answered him, these Jewish believers, they answered him and said, we are Abraham's uh, descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we're going to be set free? In other words, they're saying something like this. What you talking about, Jesus? What you talking about, Jesus? We have never been slaves. Listen closely. You can't be free indeed if you don't believe that you, you can be in bondage. Say it again. You can't be free indeed of your bondage. You can't be free indeed if you don't believe that you can have a bondage. John 8, 34, and it says these words. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. The next step to freedom is the realization that I have some areas of bondage in my life that needs to change. Those things that drag me down, those things that are, are wrong and, and I need to overcome, whatever it is, we, we need to do that. If you find yourself, just let's say the word cursing, if you find yourself easy and quick to curse whatever is being said or done, that's a bondage, man. That's something that you're doing that is not God honoring. This is, the scriptures are clear, don't do that. Matthew tells us that in, in his, actually Jesus through Matthew tells us, tells us that the next step to freedom is the realization that you and I do have bondage and we need to do something about that. Step one, you need Jesus to be, to, uh, you need Jesus to be free indeed. Step number two, step number two is that you need, I like that, amen. You need to be, you need to believe that you have bondages in your life. Step number two, you need to believe that you have bondages in your life. John 8, 35 and 36, and it says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. I say it again. A slave, we, we're slaves because we're in bondage. No slave has a permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free. Say the last word, indeed. You will be free, you will be free indeed. I'm sure that there are some people who are wondering when we talk about bondage, um, I, I'm sure that there are some people who are thinking right now, pastor, are you saying that I'm demon possessed? Is that what you're trying to say? And I'm here to tell you, my friend, if you're born again, if you've given your life to Jesus, there's no way that you would be demon-possessed. We don't believe that in the assemblies of God. I don't believe that as your pastor, that somehow or another you can be, you can be oppressed and you can be assaulted by hell, but you, you are not possessed by, by demons. Give me an amen if you would. But since you brought up the subject of the devil, I do believe, I do believe that he does influence our lives as believers. And another way to say it is, we all have areas in our life that need to change. Every one of us. We all have areas in our life that need to change. Every single one of us. In fact, there are just some areas in your life, my friend, I love you enough to tell you this, it needs to stop. You need to make that decision today. God, I'm not gonna go there anymore. I'm not gonna say that, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And I know we've said that 100,000 times, but the fact of the matter is today you're resolved. Today you are deciding we're not gonna be doing this anymore. We all have areas in our lives that need to be totally surrendered to God so that we can live in freedom. Whatever that is, pornography, guys, 
If, if that's what you're dealing with, that that's the thing that you can't stop yourself, and you're not going to be able to stop yourself. But God can in you. And God will through you. Amen. Preach it, pastor. You're doing a good job. Okay. If you don't say it, I will. We all have those areas in our lives that need to be totally surrendered to God to live in freedom. So let me ask you a question. No names, please. Do you know anybody? Do you know someone who is a Christian? You know they're a believer, they're a Christian who has a bondage issue, who are involved with things such as who are dealing with maybe uh, addicted to alcohol or drugs or porn or sex or cigarettes or gambling. Again, it's not you. I'm not asking if it's you, but do you know somebody? Just wave your hand. There's nothing wrong with waving your hand if you know somebody. Yeah, most of you are lying through your teeth. But anyhow, um, the fact of the matter is, is that that each and every one of us, every, uh, very few people, very few people would be willing to admit of their own bondage issues. Very few people would admit that and the addictions that they're dealing with. In fact, let me define addiction for you. Addiction is defined as the state of being enslaved to a habit, a practice that you can't control on your own. I say it again. Addiction is the, the, the state of being enslaved to a habit, a practice that you cannot control on your own. So that that addict says, I wish I could stop that. I wish I could stop smoking. I wish I could stop, stop, uh, 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 I wish I could stop drinking. I wish I could stop the porn. I wish I could stop the lust that I have. I wish I could stop shopping. I wish I could stop eating. You know, I wish I didn't have these anger issues. I would love to no longer uh, be abusive and be gossiping and belittling other people. I would love to have freedom from that. So let me be transparent as your pastor here at Word of Life. My name is Randy, and I'm an addict. It's true. My name is Randy, and I'm an addict. And so are you, pal. And so are you, my dear. We all have areas of life that we can't stop doing that. Every single one of us. I can't stop doing that. I don't know what that area would be in your life, but you can't stop doing that. You can't. I can't. And the fact of the matter is there's only one person who ever walked on this planet for 33 years who never had an addiction or an issue or a bondage whatsoever in his life, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the one. And I do admit to you today that there are those areas of my life that I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I know I should be doing. I know I've got that. I know I do that. When I jump in the car and I'm driving and I got some pokes ahead of me, I'm telling you I'm doing the thing I don't want to do. <laughs> and, I, and I start saying things I should never say. <laughs> Let's move on. I don't get too many more amens on that one. So, <laughs> The reality is you and I have issues. And even the Apostle Paul admitted to that. The Apostle Paul, to me, he was the greatest of the disciples. I think he was the, the most in, uh, wonderful, influential uh, that we had. And we find here in Romans chapter 7, many of us know this verse, Romans chapter 7. And it says in verse 15, I, this is Paul talking. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not. Wait, let me say it again. I don't understand what I do. I don't understand what I'm reading either. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, 
I do. He's admitting this. The Apostle Paul is admitting to all of us. And, and that's why I truly believe that this is really the word of God. Because, you know, you get somebody like Paul, you would think he was without any, any sin whatsoever. But here he is being very transparent, transparent for all of us. Listen to what Jesus says about all of this is the evidence of our bondage. He says, he says in John chapter 8, verse 36, he says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is what he says about our bondage. Whatever bondage we have, Jesus says, he says in verse 36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So like with one broad brushstroke, Jesus, Jesus declares that all of us, all of us, every one of us, you, me, him, her, whoever we are, every one of us who sins is a slave to sin. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the mission of Jesus was to, to set the captives free. That's what he declared in the Old Testament that was declared of him and was declared of him in the New Testament as well. He was here to set the captives free. But let me be clear. When you call on Jesus to save you, yes, you are saved by grace and you are going to heaven. When you call on Jesus and you're born again, you are going to heaven. The Bible makes that clear. But because of sin... And because it's bondage and how sin enslaves us. And if you do not seek the freedom that Jesus offers you and I, Jesus is telling us, he's telling us with this, this truth right now, then you are not going to get the full benefit of freedom in this life that you're living. He's not saying you're not going to make it to heaven. But what he is saying is, is that you won't be living in the fullness of what God has in store for you in this life so that you would sit back and realize that God, in all these years, you did this with me and through me and all. You're gonna be a person who's gonna be constantly dealing with the porn. You're gonna be the person who's gonna be constantly dealing with all the other issues and bondages that people have. He wants you to be free. He wants you and me, God wants you and I to be free of all of this. And you will experience that freedom. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter two, he says that there are three different types of people out there. And all of us here today are at least one of these in this three category. Number one is the unspiritual person. The unspiritual person. There's probably more than likely somebody here today who is not, who is not a spiritual person. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the, but the natural man does not receive the things. This is what the scripture says about the, the uh, unspiritual person. But the, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually discerned. The only way you're going to understand the things of God is to become spiritual. And that's how it's going to happen for you. But I want to let you know about this person who's unspiritual. They're not bad people. It's not saying they're bad people. They just don't know. They just don't know. They don't get it. They don't understand. They're lost. They don't know where to go. They don't know what's missing in their lives. They don't understand it. And because the spirit of man in, inside of us, it, it, because the spirit of, them, of man is inside of them, and it's not alive. Their spirit man is not alive. It's not alive to the things of God that is inside of them. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know that it's even missing in their lives is what's taking place. I've said this a hundred times over my years here, but God created us as a triune being, the body, soul, and the spirit. The body, of course, is our temporary dwelling. This is just a shell that you see right here. A really good-looking shell, but it's just a shell. Just kidding. Number two is a soul. 
Our soul is our heart and will and our emotions. And of course, the spirit is what comes alive once we get saved. We are not just our body. The word of God is very clear. We are not just our body. Our bodies, our body is really only our house. This is a temporary dwelling place. Someday this body is gonna die. And when I die, I'm not gonna be dead. I'm gonna be alive. But I'm not gonna have this body. It's gonna be rotten in the ground and it's gonna be gone. But once we do give our lives to Jesus and our body dies, uh, and our body dies and we go to heaven, we're, gonna ha- we're all gonna have a great body. And I think I talked about that two weeks ago, two weeks ago in the, the first message of the series that we're, we're doing right now. But if you're not a believer and your body dies, the Bible is very clear. You're not gonna go to heaven. This is not Randy Chis threatening you. This is not Randy Chis trying to convince you. It's what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If, you, if you're a believer and your body dies, you're not going to heaven. And that's your choice. You have to choose whether you would want to believe Jesus is the Son of God or you don't believe it. Or you don't believe it. You choose. I can't make you. God can't make you because you have a free will. You have to choose. I have to choose. The Bible is very specific, though, with all of this. If you and I don't believe, you will be eternally separated from God. And one of the scriptures that declare that, declare that you will be, there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and you will be cast out into outer, outer darkness. I, I can't fathom how horrible that would be. On God's side of things, it all comes down to one choice. Either you believe or you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Either you believe or you don't believe that he went to a cross died on that cross, was buried and rose three days later and has been alive ever since then. And of course, now today, he's up in heaven. Either you believe that or you don't, but the finality of death is so gripping, so real for me. Most of you you know I lost a son. He died a little bit more than three years ago. On Tuesday, it's gonna be Jeremy's birthday. It's one of our nasty days that we have to deal with. But when I think of my son and the fact that he was saved and serving God, and he's gone, it gives me a lot of peace. And it gives you a lot of peace for those who you love who have gone, gone on as well. The finality of death is so gripping, it's so in, intimate. And I am begging you today, church, I'm begging you, whoever you may be in this place, don't you dare miss this opportunity to let Jesus become the Lord and leader of your life so that you can be saved. Let me go, keep on moving forward real quick here. And you can do that at any time, any place. Number, step number three. The step number two, I'm sorry, is the spiritual person. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. The spiritual person. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 15. And it says these words. It says, those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot evaluate others. They cannot evaluate others. The spirit man has come alive. In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit is living in them. And by fact of their spirit, by fact of the spirit, it is alive unto God. And at that moment, you are able to see clearly, you're able to hear clearly uh, that will bring about the changes in your life that needs to be be done. The Spirit of God will lead you. The Spirit of God is going to to direct you. Your whole life, your whole life, right there and then, is going to begin to change from the inside out. 1 Corinthians 2.16, and it says these words, for who can know the, the Lord's thought? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have a the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The Spirit of God has come alive. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside of you. Listen to this. This is really important. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and it says, Do not, do, uh, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given 
to you by God. Listen to this. But you do not belong to yourself. When you give your life over to Jesus, when you really tell him, be the Lord and leader of my life, it's not your call anymore. It's his call. It's who he is. It's what God would want to do. And we find that, that the word of God tells us he gives us the mind of Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he helps you to see things you've never seen before. He helps you to hear things you've never heard before. He helps you to do things you've never done before. And we find here, my thought, my thought to you is today, as I'm quickly getting through to the end, January, 2020, January 19th, which is today, 2020, is a great day to commit your life to Christ. It really is. It's a great day to decide as a follower to draw closer to Jesus. In John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28, it says these words, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Why wouldn't you give your life to Jesus today? Why wouldn't you? You don't have to attend this church. You can go wherever you want. In fact, you don't need to go to church to go to heaven. You need to believe Jesus. You need to believe that he would be the son of God. So why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you take the steps necessary to draw closer to Jesus? such as get water baptized. We do water baptism every third Wednesday of the month. You can just show up on that day. You don't have to fill out a piece of paper or anything. You can just show up and we will water baptize you. If you've given your life to Jesus, that's the next step you need to take. Number two, why don't, why don't you do learning to follow Jesus? We have this one-on-one -on -one spiritual coaching that we do here. We typically have somebody over here to my right and I, we, just get your name down and we'll, we'll meet with you. We'll help you with a, your journey with Jesus. The third thing, the third thing is, is getting into a small group. We're soon to be having, launching our small groups in February. You need to get into a small group. I'm telling you, your life will change. Your life will change. You'll come into relationships with people like you would never imagine. There's great people here at Word of Life. They're not all here today for the weather, whatever the case may be, but it could be life-changing. The last thing is, is go through the life path. Become a member of Word of Life. We would love for you to be a member here at Word of Life. And it's a simple thing. You would just go through a couple of classes and you would be able to, to move forward being a member here at Word of Life. The Apostle Paul tells us that there's a, there are different kinds of people. There's an unspiritual man, there's a spiritual man. And the last and the final thing is the freedom from seeking, uh, the freedom seeking person. The freedom seeking person. Matthew chapter five, verse six it tells us these words. It says, uh, those who are hungry and thirsty to be right with God are happy because they will be filled. We believe here at Word of Life, it is possible that a Christian can be in bondage. We believe that it is difficult. It is difficult to admit that you're in bondage. It's hard to talk about this. It's hard to admit to yourself or to anybody else, and you should be talking to somebody else about some of the challenges you have. And number three, we believe that it's easy to, to uh, be set free from bondage. Can I tell you why it's gonna be easy to set, be set free in bondage? Because it's not about you. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It all depends on him. Listen, it's difficult. It's a, the difficult part is, is that you need to admit that. The difficult part is, is that you need to ask somebody for help. You need to talk to somebody in this church, maybe your small group leader, whoever, wherever, however it may be, one of the pastors, one of the, one of the team leads that are here, how, whoever they may be, talk to them about it. Tell them, I'm really struggling with this in my life and I want it to be done. I want it to be over. I want to tell you one thing that maybe you never thought of before, and that is, is that Jesus is not the least bit, not the least bit impressed or intimidated by the devil. Not the least bit. Jesus does not get anxious or scared or panicky, demoralized whenever the devil shows up. Because he's the one who's the victor. 
Jesus is the way maker, and he has defeated the works of the devil through his shed blood. And I want you to know that before you leave out of here today, it's easy. It is easy. It is easy to be set free if you would come to Jesus. Would you stand with me to your feet, please? In Mark chapter 2, I don't want you to just listen to these words and let it fall off your ear gate there. I want you to really think about this. In Matthew chapter 2, verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. So when they had come to, out of the boat, immediately, when Jesus came up out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always day and night, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself. I don't know what you're thinking about this guy, but this guy's in a lot of trouble. This guy has got some issues that you and I, I don't think even have. In fact, it tells us in, as you read a little bit further in, in this particular gospel that I'm reading right now, it says that uh, this man was naked in the cemetery. <laughs> he was naked. Luke also tells us that same story as well, that this guy was naked at one point and lived in the cemetery. And I know that he has more problems than you and I do. Because as I look around, yep, thank God, there's no one out there that's naked. And there's no one out there who's living naked in a cemetery. And I don't know what you think about all of this story, but this is, to me, it's profound, and I close off with this. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says this, it says, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. When he saw Jesus, this crazy man saw Jesus, he ran and worshiped him. Now listen, it could be, it could make, it's clear to me that this guy who was demon possessed, if there was something that Satan could do against somebody, he could have done it against him. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, I'm here to tell you, Satan does not have the power to stop you from coming to Jesus. Amen. Just like he couldn't stop this guy coming to Jesus. Amen. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? My friend, God is here to make sure that you would move toward freedom. You don't need to be in bondage to these things. You can be set free. It's a little bit of a work. It's a little bit of a process. But you can be set free. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, because I want this to be very private, please, please, please make this private. But if you're here today and you've got a bondage, you know it now, you can see it, you understand it, you've got a little bit more clarity. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just hold up your hand for a moment. Randy Chiz's hands is up, are up. If that's you today, I would like you to just hold that up just for a moment. Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray for each of these hands that are raised. These are people who are saying, Lord, yes. I need you to help me with this. I don't want this bondage any longer. I want to be free. He who the Son sets free will be free indeed. You can put your hands down. If you're here today and you've not yet given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. I'm not asking you to join Word of Life Church. I'm asking you to give your life to Jesus. This is a personal thing between you and God, but I want to help you to do that. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray it along with me. And as I go through these this very, very short, simple prayer, I'm going to invite you to say this same prayer. Now listen, you can say it out loud. You can move your lips. You can say it inside of your head. But I want you to give your life to Jesus today and let him become the Lord and leader so that you don't go out into that outer darkness. Say this prayer with me if this is you, please. Dear Lord Jesus, 
Today I give you my life. I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. 